0: abide with me abide with me don't let me fall and don't
1: This is the Influencers Network podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers here in Bentonville, Arkansas. Uh, We've had a few weeks uh, off uh, where we couldn't uh, get a podcast out, so I know you're hungry to to hear uh, hear what we have to say, I'm hoping. (laughs) So I'm here with uh,
0: our founder, Rocky Fleming. Hey, Rocky. Hey there, Brian. In case you're thinking, we haven't been off. We (laughs) just know the problem is we had not had time to do it. That's right, exactly. That's right. There's been a lot of busy activity going on
1: here. That's right, so. So uh, we're, we're privileged to be back here, and just again, just sharing things that we're seeing, and uh, and just things that we're pondering in the Lord, and uh, hopefully uh, we can help you, and as you guys are helping the people out there. So today uh, we just want to talk about. Uh, I was telling Rocky that uh, reports I'm hearing from all over the country. This is the first uh, season that people have gone through the journey when they're using one of the new books Mm -hmm. that that Rocky that you wrote, uh, An Orphan No More. And uh, we really are getting some great reports that that it's really resonating with a lot of a lot of men and women and uh, people kind of. People don't like change, you know, so they, they weren't sure what to think. But everybody who's given themselves to this and read it, it's it's really—I think we're hitting a nerve here with something. We And we you suspected that the Lord was showing you something very important, and that it resonated with me, too. Yeah. Um, and so it's really, really great. So any of you who haven't uh, gone through that yet, uh, you're going to be excited to see what God shows you through that. There's a lot of wisdom in that little book. And, and in particular, this part— um, The book sets up, you know, God knows, God cares, God's willing and able. But then the new part is that there's possibly an orphan spirit in men and women in the body of Christ that can keep them, that the devil might use to keep them from accepting all of that God wants to give them and and all his intimacy he wants to give to them and show them and all that. So you want to elaborate on just the concept of the orphan spirit first and then we'll...
0: Yes, uh, you know, when I wrote that book, I was—we uh, had to do it out of necessity because right. we couldn't translate. Uh, Shepherd looks the twenty-third psalm, and and I saw it as an opportunity to expand on on the whole enlightened series that we have, which is what the book is designed to do. It should be a complement to the enlightened session within the journey, and um, it's the narrator is telling his story as we track his story on our own pursuit of walking with Christ. And that's how it helps us see a picture there. It uh, creates a kind of an emotional connection with what we're trying to do, which is about what changes the heart. Mm -hmm. And as I was writing that book, I, I really didn't anticipate that I would be getting much more than what I kind of thought that needed to be done. But as is the case with everything that I've ever written is, this is an opportunity for God to download to mm-hmm. me, first to understand what's going on in me, and then to take it outward to help other men and, it's, and women too. It's always been that way for me in writing. It's always about uh, God saying, I want to write something for you, son, and then now I want you to write it to other people. Mm-hmm. So simply being a messenger is all it is. And and when I was writing that book and and trying to ponder, what is it that keeps men especially, that's how I was reading that out at the time, what was it about me that kept me from really entering into that intimate relationship with Christ and staying there? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And if I could understand it through my life and my point of view, then maybe I could understand it through other people. And, and as I inquired of that, I began to think about the personalities of certain people groups, the way they deal with things and what makes them that way. And one of the things that came to my mind was an orphan, a, a, like in a third world country. And I have a third world country orphan that was adopted from Ethiopia. That's my grandson. Hmm. And he was gotten when he's six months old, so you don't have a lot of the self-survival stuff that you would have with a 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old child or a 15- or 20-year-old. one. my son is in Uganda right now, and he is ministering to people that age. He spoke to a group of orphans today, as a matter of fact, from age 9 to 19. And he spoke the gospel, and it resonates within him. But the fact is, is, is those children were taken off the street. And when they were taken off, before they've taken off the street, they had to survive. They had to learn to survive. They had to fight to survive. They had to steal to survive. Mm. It was about self-survival. It was about doing what they needed to do to, to get the next meal. If not to get it, then to protect it. If you protect it, then um, to keep it keep safe. Hmm. And this is what happens when somebody grows up as an orphan in a sense like that. And then I started thinking, well, now wait a minute here. Uh, isn't that uh, kind of the way I thought when I started growing up? I, didn't, I, I was not an orphan from a physical standpoint, from the standpoint that we see that I'm describing. I was not an orphan. I had a good mom and dad. But there was a survival instinct in me. There was a uh, get-ahead. There was a fear. There was a distrust. There was a a lot of the things that would be typical of a a third-world country orphan that was deep down in me. Hmm. And it caused me to act and react uh, ways because of that. Hmm. And one of the typical issues for an orphan even if you take them off the street and you adopt them and you bring them into your home and you have a legal document saying, I have adopted you now come and live with my family, with my children. Oftentimes they have a hard time integrating within the family because they still have that orphan spirit. They'll steal food from the table Mm. that's free of charge. Here it is. It's all yours, but they'll Mm. hide it away they still have brought that orphan spirit into that adopted family. Mm. And it takes a long time to get over that. Maybe years and maybe never.
1: Because
0: mm. there's some orphans that never lose that. But now think about this. What about a child of God? What about when he adopts us? What is it that keeps us from Fully going into that intimate relationship with Him. And as I was pondering that, I felt like I was shown the truth of it. And that is the orphan spirit essentially says, I'm not worthy to be loved. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if I'm going to get God to love me, i got to perform like crazy. Mm-hmm. i got to not make any mistakes. i got to... I've got to do everything I can. And when we get frustrated with the fact that we are sinners, and we're going to sin, and we're going to make mistakes, and we've tied it to that conditional thinking that that's the way God loves me, we'll never enter into that intimacy with Him.
1: Mm.
0: And it's only until we're able to understand that that love is based on God's grace. That adoption is based on His choice and His grace, not on the condition that I've got to correct my life to get Him to love me. Only then are we able to finally say, I'm no longer an orphan, I accept my sonship.
1: Mm.
0: And when I saw that, I saw that that was my problem. That that, that answered the question why it took me a long time to finally uh, get to the point where I could say, he really does love me,
1: mm.
0: and it's not based on something that I've done. It's just because of who he is, and I've got to embrace his, the sonship that he's given me. And when I did that, then I began to enter into that intimacy with him that I've been longing for, mm. and I realized that uh, that there probably are few people out there like me. Um, I didn't realize that there are more people out there like me than I realized. Mm. And based on the response I'm getting that uh, that when we're addressing the issue of the orphan spirit standing in the way of us stepping into that intimacy with Christ and until we abandon that we're going to always be on the outside looking in. And when it came to be put on in print in a book that's that clear until then, people were kind of confused about it, but now they're seeing the truth of it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we're seeing a lot of sons that are coming in around the banquet table with their father. Do you think the orphan spirit
1: is an evil spirit, or do you think it's uh, reflective of daddy wounds, maybe where where somebody didn't feel loved as for, by their earthly daddy, so they're subject, they're putting that on God, maybe? What do you think?
0: Well, Brian, that that would be. Uh, the most likely uh, source that we could see that there are wounds of the past that can create that but but honestly you can you can grow up in the best of families and the world will give you the orphan spirit because mm. the value system of the world is based on who you are what you are what you've done, what you've accomplished mm. it's all merit based that's the way the world values you. Mm. And as long as you are looking at your relationship with God based on merit, that's the orphan spirit of the ways of the world that's telling you that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it, if you have somebody who's been hurt by a father, uh, wounded by that, that man, then it's likely going to have a hard time understanding the gracious, merciful God that we have. Yeah. But the problem is they've got to get to know him. Mm. You see, when we get to know him, we understand that he is nothing like whatever we've been exposed to in the past. Mm. And so that's what we do with the journey. You know, we we start a process of getting to know him. But even though we are in that process of getting to know him, there will be a point that they've got to take a step into that intimacy by abandoning that old image of themselves. Mm. And it doesn't go away easy. No. <laughs> it's a fight. Yeah. But it's a fight worth fighting.
1: You know, I was I was just thinking about the first year I went through the journey. Uh you know, I was I was really involved in my church. I was leading, eventually leading men in the city. I was um in the word every day. I had a pretty good prayer life. I felt like I was doing all the right things, but there was something still missing. And I think what hit me was um There was a point in the journey when we were talking about the story of the prodigal son, and and it's it wasn't the prodigal son, but it was the older brother who thought he was doing all the right things and was kind of self-righteous about it and thought you know kind of performance oriented, and and just the way that the father spoke to him when he tried to say, son, hey. Everything I have is yours. I I see what you're doing, man. I love you. It's kind of like yeah. you don't have to do anything to impress me. I already I'm already love you. I already so proud of you. Come on, let's let's go have a banquet for your little brother, you know. And something about that is where I it's the beginning of my. Coming out of my orphan spirit, I think I had an orphan spirit, and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it wasn't because of a bad wounds in my father, my father, anything like that. It was just something in me that thought I had to earn it, you know, or whatever.
0: We live in a fallen world, and we live in, with the prince of evil that influences this world from the time we're born. And it's just it's part of our the what we have to deal with as far as the being human, being of this world. But not of this world. Mm-hmm. We we're born of this world, but we're not of this world. And learning to transition and our thinking about that my life is not based on this human body and being in, in this world as it is, but it's based on an eternal soul and an eternal spirit mm-hmm. that is under new ownership. You know, we're under the leadership and the sovereign rule of God. But as long as we identify with the world and not identify with our relationship with Him, especially the adoption as a son, then we're always going to be kind of like pull one way or the other. I mean, we're just never—you got to go all the way with one. You—you you, you can't just go back and forth with it. You can't just say I'm a Christian and still play ball by the ways of the world. Yeah. You've got to let that go, and you got to go forward in this journey with Him, and get your identity and learn to walk with him and then you become the man that you have longed to be this is where that man within you has been wanting to get out the man formed by Christ but it has to we have to we have to change our perspective of, of who we are
1: can I can I just read a couple scriptures just to because I, I want to always make sure we have a you do too always make sure we have a biblical foundation we're not just making this stuff up <laughs> uh, Galatians four four through seven says when the fullness of time had come God sent forth His Son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and because you are sons God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying Abba Father which Abba Father means daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then an heir through God. And another one is in John 14, 18, where Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then the last one is uh, Romans 8, 16 through 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, we're heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. And it says, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's nothing that says Jesus was the first of many brothers. You know, and and you know, so it goes on and on. It's very clear in Scripture this whole adoption.
0: Well, the other thing is clear in the Scriptures that you uh, read there is the spirit of sonship. Yeah, how now, that it? that is uh, basically the spirit within the, the Christian who is declaring son, son, son. Mm-hmm. And yet, do we listen to him? And just think about this. Now, how often do we really listen to the Holy Spirit, who has been deposited in our life at the time that we received Christ? Or do we just put him aside and say, well, I just got my ticket punched for heaven, and I'm just going to live life best I can, manage sin, best I can, you know. And we're frustrated with life. We do, we're just saying there's something missing, there's something missing. Well, yeah, it's missing we got the greatest gift in the world with the Holy Spirit living within us, learning to listen to him. And the first thing he says is get a new identity. You're no longer an orphan. You've been adopted. You are a son. Mm. Mm. And when we grasp that and we own it, we accept it, then then the walk with Christ begins. I mean, it, I mean we're stagnant there until that point. Mm. We've entered into that relationship. But there's far more beyond the entry point. That's the missing thing I think has been going on for years with our presentation of the gospel. We tend toward things about it being only an evangelistic decision. And once that's done, then we just live life. No, no. Mm. That's the entry. That's the entry point. Now, everything beyond that is discipleship. Mm -hmm. Sanctification, this is Reformation is occurring Mm -hmm. In our life And this is where Christ begins To bubble up in the surface Of our life, this is the Holy Spirit Who's been deposited in us Who then begins to make himself known By what people see in us What they hear from us What they perceive of us And if we got the orphan spirit in us We're just not going to be that connected But when the Son Now the spirit of sonship is speaking, then there's a, there's that aura of Christ in this person. And this is what God is doing for his children. Mm. That's what he's wanting for us, for us to accept our adoption and accept our identity.
1: Mm.
0: You know, I, I, since
1: we've been talking about all this, I was... Uh, I happen to be in Second uh, Samuel nine. It was talking. It was the story of Mephibosheth, which is a
0: a good name to g- good pronounce. <laughs> to, to <laughs> Say mispronounce. it three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't. I can't.
1: But he was the son of Jonathan, who was David's best friend. Uh-huh. You know, even though even though Jonathan's dad was Saul, who spent most of his time trying to kill yeah. David most of right. his life. But. but they had this great friendship, and then uh, long after he had died one of his sons was remaining and he was a cripple named Mephibosheth and he lived out in the country and it says he basically kind of felt forgotten, I think. And but God reminded David that he was that he had made a promise to Jonathan to look after his heirs. So he sends he finds out about that there's this one heir left. And he brings him into the palace, and you, and you can tell when you read it that he was he was afraid that he was going to be dead. He said, "Have mercy on me." And, and David said, "Don't be afraid." <laughs> you know, and and basically he says, "No longer are you going to live out there. From now on, you're going to eat at my table. You're going to eat at the king's table." So basically, that's a great picture to me of the, of adopting. You know, he adopted yeah. him. He was an orphan, feeling forgotten. He even calls himself, "Why would you do that to a dead dog like me?" And and but David. He loved him because he loved his dad, and, and he invites him in. And from that day on, he ate at the king's table. Mm-hmm. And I think about what we're talking about here is being adopted by the king, yeah. the king of kings. And uh, and I was trying to think, you know, if you're a son of the king, that makes you a prince. Or if you're a woman, it makes you a princess.
0: So, uh, uh, Meshul Fickle Fick. (laughs) (laughs) Mephibosheth. (laughs) Uh, Would you say that he had the orphan spirit? Absolutely. And the orphan spirit would make a man be hiding out, wouldn't it? Not feel worthy. And hiding out. Hiding. Hiding Hiding out. See, he was hiding out. Now, the reason why he's hiding out is because it was tradition that when a new king came along, he killed all the heirs of the old king. That's right. He didn't want to have any contention. And that still goes on, by the way. Mm. And, and so the, the point being is that he was really hiding, and he was afraid for his life. And mm. so that's when he said, you know, what? A, why are you bringing me in here? I mean, he's talking about a dead dog. He says, because I'm a dead dog here. <laughs> and, and the point being is that he had the orphan spirit. Mm. And he was this was a personification of it's what it looks like. And then he was brought into the king's life, and you know David not only gave him mercy, but he gave him grace, mm-hmm. he gave him something he didn't deserve, brought him in around his table, eat from his table, and that's the perfect picture of what we see with God to to the orphan out here is hiding out, He adopts you, and He brings you in, and then He uh, says, "Come and eat at My table." I got an idea, the man had to get used to that. Mm -hmm. In fact, he probably had a hard time with the identity, maybe even trusting David. Mm -hmm. And he kind of stayed aloof, even around the table, uh, for a while anyway. And that's the way it is with Christians sometimes, we stay aloof. We don't really, really know if we can be loved, like that Bible says, that it can be unconditional, that it could, that, that he could have such a, an affectionate love for a sinner like me? Mm. You know, who in the world could do that? Well, that's, only God can do that.
1: Yeah, I, I even think about him being crippled. It says he was crippled in his feet, you know, but I was but thinking about modern day, thinking that we could feel crippled by our sin or there's something in our life that we're disqualifying ourselves and saying we're not worthy because of this or that. You know, for him, it could have been his his feet, his crippled, you know, nature. But
0: Christians do it all the time. Yeah. And um, again, it has to do with identity. We're all crippled in some way, by the way. And um, might not not have physical crippling disorders. Uh, We might have wounds that we've had that's Gotten us from the past, just the the way we're shaped, oftentimes uh, puts some hurts in us, and it makes us uh, kind of hide out. It makes us, uh, you know, fearful of trusting people, mm. uh, fearful of letting people really get into our life because they'll let us down. And that's that orphan spirit going on there. Mm. And uh, but then again, uh, we're being. Uh, being loved by one who will never disappoint and does not judge us and love us based on our our behavior yeah I, I made a little list the other day because I was speaking to a group of guys in Tulsa
1: but uh, about conversely what is it not instead of being an orphan what does a son look like mm-hmm. and this is just a little list of things that I said a son you know a son is I said he's the father of the king a son doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. A son doesn't have to fight for attention. A son doesn't have to leave with, live with bitterness from his past. A son doesn't need to compare himself to others. A son knows his father loves him, and that's enough. Hmm. A son looks like his father.
0: Um, and there was another whole page here. Hang on. Well, anyway, you get the idea. Yeah. And you know, when you read that uh, and say that, uh I, I connect it with something else, Brian, and that is we talk about entering into this enemies with Christ or the inner chamber requires personal abandonment and absolute trust. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people ask, well, what does that personal abandonment looks like? Well, that's what it looks like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's abandoning that identity,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, that dependence on ourself, that need to control. Uh, those are the things that signify the orphan spirit. Yeah. And and then to trust him, absolutely, is to take on a new identity and new resources for living. So for all the
1: countless people who've said, I don't know if I've been in that inner chamber yet. You know, I, I don't know if I've crossed that threshold. Could be that they've are they got that orphan sphere and
0: they're not allowing themselves to be adopted. Well, that's what I saw. That's what I felt. That's why it's written into enlightened. Yeah. And that's why we have the it into um, no want for no more. This is what God revealed to me. And that is his invitation is clear. Come to me. Come and abide in me. Come and live in that abiding relationship with me. That That's so clear. It's I mean, read it. I mean, you can't deny it, that Jesus has given us that kind of invitation. But it's also clear we struggle. And there's something that keeps us from taking that next step. We get to the threshold of that inner chamber and there's something that keeps us from that next step and to me what was revealed to me was I felt like, like I was unworthy to go to that place mm-hmm. that I'm a Christian and I love God and I and I, and, I, and, I and, I'll, and I'll serve him but really come on now he's so holy and I am such a sinner mm-hmm. how could he How could he love me enough to let me come dwell in that relationship with him? And I had to learn about what his love was all about. Mm. I had to redefine love. It could not be based on the way the world loves or the way I love. I had to grasp the way he loves. And when I grasped that, then I could say, okay, I can understand why I've been given this. It's not because I deserve it, it's because of who He is. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I took that step. And then as I got to spend more time with Him, then I began to understand that this is the place that I want to live. I want to live in a abiding relationship. I don't want to visit it. I don't want it to be an early morning visit with Him. I want it to be a 24-7 walk with him because that's the place that I feel the most security and the most enabled to live in life the power and the purpose and the peace those things are found in proximity with Christ That's full of peace isn't it <laughs> <laughs> purpose peace power and proximity
1: <laughs> well you know um, this is one last thing I think is really important is that that if we don't if we don't figure this out we're going to pass that brokenness down to our children, and they're going to pass it down to their children. You know, the sins get passed in the third and fourth generation, and the brokenness does too. And I think, whereas if we can break it, and if we can let God adopt us, we can turn it around, because it says His love is passed down to thousands of generations. So we can let that love come over so we can get that adoption then we can change the direction for our kids and their kids and all that. I think it's very
0: important. Well, here's a message that can go out to, to men who and women who have Fudge. Uh, ch- uh, they still have children at home. Okay. And that is, you know, what can they do to help them receive that? Uh, not only the adoption, that's going to be a decision the child makes, but to receive that identity. This is where they need to begin putting a crown on uh, a child's head and let that child grow under that crown Mm. which it has to do with identity Mm -hmm. Uh, you are special you were created here's what Psalms 139 says that you were intricately wrought in your mother's womb Mm -hmm. that your days were known before you ever had one they were written in the book of life and God says "And wonderful are your works so God knows you he knows your thoughts, he knows where you are, he knows what you're feeling, he knows everything about you, and he loves you. And so when we can start getting the children in our life to understand the detailed knowledge that God has about us, or about them, then it begins to open their eyes and hearts up to the fact that they want to know this God.
1: And I think this is probably a whole other podcast topic, but I think if we're not if we're not if we don't do that what you just described we can be not even meaning to we can be guilty of making them feel like we only love them when they perform for us when they please us you know when they do what we want them to do trying to control our kids you know?
0: unfortunately that's where a lot of that comes from yep. it's the conditional love that we get i love you if uh-huh. and if you don't do this and i'm going to spank you or whip you whatever you know effective discipline by, by mom and dad needs to always be true discipline but it also needs to be with love. Yeah, yeah. And when yeah. when I had to, you know, discipline my children, uh, I always would spend time with them and hugging them and embracing them and trying to restore them. And I didn't do that because I I figured it, out. I read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read it in uh, Dare to Discipline by Charles Dobson. Mm-hmm. I mean, not I mean not Charles Jim Dobson. Jim, yeah. And uh, and, and got a lot of insight on that. But, you know, the discipline is not letting any, no less grace. You got it. grace, discipline is involved with grace. God graces us, but He also disciplines us. Yeah. But there's always the accompanying acceptance in the relationship that it never gets severed. Mm-hmm. And we start doing that with our children, help them understand that our relationship is never severed, mm-hmm. even though. Sometimes I have to discipline you. That's right. And so if we can always embrace them and love them and hug them, even after the discipline, to make them feel fully restored to us, Mm -hmm. then we are giving them a good picture of the way God is. Yeah, and just because uh, we're being disciplined
1: doesn't mean God doesn't love us. Mm, That's the point. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. exactly. Well, good. Well, thank you, Rocky. I think our time's up, but uh, I I just— I wanted to talk a little bit more about this. I know we did one other podcast uh, when the book came out, but uh, just I'm just seeing it really resonating. So it was worth bringing up again,
0: I think. Well, that's a, a, that's a, a confirmation to me that the message was from God because mm-hmm. I didn't know. I really didn't know. I just all I could do is write based on what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. But I have been shown that there, this is a common condition. That's right. That's right. Well, great.
1: Okay. Well, uh, you can uh, learn a little bit more about all this uh, on any of this stuff on our website. And, of course, you can get a copy of An Orphan No More if you'd like to read the, the book that, that was inspired to, to write. But uh, And also, if you go through the journey, it's uh, it's a big part of the journey now. So uh, anyway, we uh, we love uh, sharing different things that we're seeing out there. The ministry is growing. And, uh, again, go to our website, www.influencers.org, if you'd like to learn any more about what's going on with Influencers. But uh, this has been the Influencers Network podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. May God bless you.